You're listening to a podcast in New Covenant Church. Join us online Sundays at 10.30 a.m. We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 through 10. This is what the word of the Lord says. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Let's pray. God, take this word. Thank you for it. Use it to bring life where there's death, to bring hope where there's hopelessness, to bring joy where there is sorrow. God, change us through your word. We need your spirit to live and breathe through this time. Thank you that we can spend these few minutes in your word. Help us, God, now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it is a new day. It is a new series. Uh, we are taking the month of May to, to focus in on this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, it is also Mental Health Awareness Month, and we are in a crisis still in our country, in our world, and so I, I thought it was going to be helpful for us to to focus in on some scripture that helps us think through, maybe in a clearer way, um, what do we do in the middle of suffering? What do we do in the middle of crisis? Not just pandemic, and not just global crisis, but when the crisis of life, when they hit, what do we do? And I think this, this passage helps us, and I think this series hopefully will help us. It's called Not Forsaken, and it is just hopefully going to help us understand that in the middle of the craziness of life, we are not left alone. We are not abandoned. We are not forsaken. So uh, once again today, uh, we, we wake up to a world that we really just don't recognize. There's not a lot of clarity into what's next, and we're all still asking a lot of questions. And it, it actually reminded me of, of a story when something that happened to me when I was a kid. I can't remember exactly how old I was, maybe seven, maybe eight years old. And I woke up, I fell asleep, and woke up in the front seat of my car, my mom's car, and I was alone. I was all by myself in a parking lot. As I looked out the window, I could see there was a McDonald's. So I was in a McDonald's parking lot. And I I think we had been driving to someone's house. I fell asleep in the car and I woke up by myself, windows locked, doors locked, car off, going, what do I do? And more than that, I mean, I was seven, eight years old. So I, I freaked out, man. I freaked out. I remember I remember this so clearly in my mind. And so it must be a pretty traumatic in, in, event in my life because I freaked out. I remember banging on the glass. I, I couldn't open the door. You know, I, I just was freaking out. 
And it wasn't too long where I saw then my mom walking from the McDonald's back out to the car and ultimately, you know, everything turned out okay. But man, in that moment, how did I feel? I felt alone. I felt afraid. I felt shocked, abandoned. I felt forsaken. I felt forsaken. A lot of us are feeling similar things right now. We continue to wake up in a world that we never expected and and we're feeling things right now, uncomfortable things. We're feeling alone. We're feeling angry. We're feeling afraid, sad, abandoned. Maybe all of them at the same time. We're, We're fearful of getting sick or we're angry because we didn't get our stimulus money yet or it didn't come in time or our business didn't get what we hoped it would get or people are not coming to our business anymore and there's just dangers. Maybe uh, you've been furloughed. Maybe you've been laid off and you're angry. Maybe you're angry that Brady and Gronk somehow made their way back into Florida, into Florida. You just can't believe it. I can't believe it. But seriously, though, there's all this stuff going on all around us and it doesn't make sense. It's confusing, painful. It's, it's out of control. It feels so out of control. And in very real ways, we are suffering. Some more than others. Some way more than others. But the, but the pain is real for everyone. The discomfort's real and we can so easily, in those moments of that real pain, we can feel abandoned. We can feel, to maybe use the word from our passage here, we can feel forsaken. It's not a word that we use a lot these days, but we, it's, it's what it means. It means abandoned, left, cast off to the side, forgotten. We feel forsaken by the government, by the bank, by friends, by family. You feel forsaken by God. You wouldn't be alone in that feeling. And and these feelings of abandonment or feeling forsaken, it's not just the reality now. And we could feel this way other times. This probably isn't the first time some of us have felt forsaken. It doesn't have to be in the middle of a pandemic. See, what we learn just in life, also from scripture, is that suffering is a part of life. Suffering is a part of life. And when we suffer, we are confronted with these emotions. We so often feel like we've been forgotten, like we've been left in the car. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next month. We are not forsaken, God's presence in the middle of our trials, and that the trials in our life have purpose, and the suffering we experience are not signs of God's absence, but in fact, the the sufferings in our life can actually be proof of God's work and God's care and God's love, his presence in our lives lives. 
So Paul is going to help us. He, he helps us right here. He helps us in this passage. This passage in 2 Corinthians helps us see and understand the truth in, in a whole new way. Because Paul lived this. Paul had a very unique life. And we can learn so much from his experience and his teachings. See, if we look at who he's writing to, the Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians. So there were actually a few letters written to the church at Corinth. This was a, a major city in the Greco-Roman world. It was an ancient city in Greece. And then when Rome conquered, uh, they kind of rebuilt Corinth, rebuilt a lot of these cities. And it still had a lot of its old features, but it did take on a whole new nature as well. And so Paul, in what we have here in 2 Corinthians, he wrote 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and we think well, we believe that there was another letter written to them that we don't have as uh, scripture. We've never found that letter. But what we have here is the, the letter written to the Corinthian church where Paul actually started a, a church there. He started the church. And he, he came in, started the church, and then leaves the church in the hands of other leaders. That's what he would do. That's what apostles did, that he would raise up leaders so he could hand it off and go start other churches in other areas. And so he left, and as he left, which happened in pretty much every church he started, he leaves, and then bad things start creeping into the church. See, as I said, Corinth was a major city. It was a port city. It was, it was wealthy, diverse, polytheistic, which means they, they worshiped lots of gods, right? All these gods that we've learned about in mythology, Zeus, Aphrodite, Ares... They would worship to those gods and many, many more. And there were some, there were some weird things that would go on during that kind of worship. So they worshipped all these gods. There was a lot of immorality, a lot of sexual immorality. You, you see it when you read through 1 Corinthians, when you read through 2 Corinthians. It was just a city full of trouble. And, and all that trouble started to creep its way into the church. And look, we live in South Florida here. Uh, and you don't have to be from South Florida to probably relate to some of those things. But definitely here in South Florida, we can relate to just a, a unique culture, diverse a lot of worship, maybe not to gods like Aphrodite and Zeus, but we have our own set of gods that we worship here. And besides all the inappropriate behavior that started to creep its way into the church, Paul had to deal with really bad thinking. And one of the big thought processes was, if you suffer, you must be doing something wrong. If you're having any kind of trouble in your life, it means you have angered the gods. They have left you. They have abandoned you. They have forsaken you. That was the influence of the Greek culture, and it snuck its way into the church. That was a problem. See, because Paul had to deal with this because he suffered a lot. He suffered a lot. And so what he was dealing with was saying, Paul, look, they, they were saying, Paul, you suffer too much. There's no way God could be with you. There's no way God could be using you because you've been through so much. And so Paul spends a lot of time in this letter saying, listen, actually, everyone, my, my sufferings, my weaknesses actually 
proof what I'm doing. They're not a sign that God's forsaken me, that God's left me. They're actually a sign that he is using me and with me because my weaknesses point to something else. My weaknesses point to something bigger in my life. It points to God and it shows his power to the world. That's 2 Corinthians, and that's verse 7 from our passage here. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Do you see that? It's an amazing image. We have this treasure in jars of clay. The treasure of the gospel. Christ as the treasure. I mean, all of it is the treasure. It is stored in jars of clay. And you're like, well, what is jars of clay? Well, a, a clay jar would have been a common carrying case. It would have been a common vessel. It actually could look strong. It might even look like stone, something that is unbreakable, but it was actually really fragile and weak. And, and that's, the, that's the image we get because he's saying, that's us. That's us. We are jars of clay. We're weak, fragile. Even the, the strongest of us all can relate to that. We just see it, right? We see it now. We see it in our world. We, we, as, I don't care how strong you think you are, something that you can't even see right now can attack your body and put you into all kinds of trouble. We're jars of clay. We have weakness, but our weaknesses have purpose. See, that's the, the, the big turnaround. Our weaknesses have, perf have purpose. Our weaknesses are there to show how big and how amazing and how, as he says, how powerful God is. See, the gospel is never meant to show how great we are. The gospel is meant to show how great God is. And so, yeah, he uses weakness to show how strong he is, how great he is. And here's what happens. Because this amazing treasure is stored in us, in these jars of clay, when trouble hits, when trouble strikes us, we, and, and we start to bend, and we start to crack, and we start to look like we are about to break, God's power comes through, and he keeps us together. Where we should have broke, he makes us whole. That's why we get excited about our, our vision here, our wholeness vision. We see wholeness as, as the answer to every one of life's issues because we live in a broken world. We have broken lives. We are in a broken system, and yet God comes in the midst of the brokenness and comes to bring wholeness to us. That's the surpassing power of God. That's what Paul is writing surpassing power. Don't you want that? Don't you need that? I need it. I'm feeling weaknesses throughout the days and the weeks, and now coming on months through this time that I hadn't experienced in a while. 
it reminded me of waking up in that car all those years ago, feeling alone, afraid, and abandoned. Maybe you're feeling that way. God is wanting to come and bring hope and bring life. This is it's what he says in this passage. He says, he says, this is the surpassing power of God. We're afflicted, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. It is this, this strange dynamic where there is death and life on the brink, and we feel like death is winning. And God says, no, 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 no. You, you think you're about to break, but I am with you, and I am strengthening you, and I am giving you the power to survive, and not just survive, but to thrive and, and grow through all of it. Trouble will come in this life. That, that is inescapable, but God promises to be with you through it. That's good news. That's the good news. You are not forsaken. Wherever you are right now, you are not forsaken. No matter what your friends, your family, your boss, your job, even me, your pastor, no matter what I may do or don't do or not do, you are not forsaken because you have the surpassing power of God in you. I hope that you hear that. I hope that you feel that. Because if you're feeling forsaken right now by, by whoever, by the government, by job, by family, maybe literally in your life, not just now, but you have been abandoned by a parent. You have been forsaken by a parent. And you feel broken just in your life, not because of that instance, but who, you know, whoever and whatever you are going through in this life right now, maybe you're feeling broken, wounded, bitter, angry, heartbroken. <laughs> the words of... Paul, you're feeling afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. The message is this, you are not forsaken. And you might say, well, Adam, how, how can you say that? You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know how I'm feeling right now. You haven't seen what's happened to me. You might be saying, if God really loved me, if he really was with me, if he was real, this would not have happened. And I, I get that. I understand you, I understand that, if that's your objection. But, but one of Paul's main messages in everything he wrote, not just here in 2 Corinthians, but in all of his letters, one of the big messages that he tries to get through is trials don't mean that God has left us. If you are suffering, it doesn't mean that God has left you Actually, it means the opposite. Usually, it, it can mean trials often indicate the, the love and care and presence of God because he is teaching us something through the trials. God is making us better. You're like, Adam, that's not how I would, uh, <laughs> it's not how I would have drawn it up to become better. Yeah, I, I get that. We all should get that, right? If you're a parent, you, you do things with your kids, for your kids, to your kids, 
to help them appreciate what they have, to help steer them, to help them grow. You feed them certain foods, foods that they would never on their own (laughs) decide to eat. But you say, no, 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 you have to eat this because it's good for you, because it's going to make you better, it's going to make you stronger, it's going to, it's going to do what it needs to do in you to, to strengthen you. God does that with us. It may not be broccoli, but he brings things into our life to show us, one, that we are not strong enough in and of ourselves to handle the things that are coming. We need a savior. We need a God, a God to come and intervene in our lives. And he brings these things into our lives to help take our eyes off of ourselves, off of our little issues. Even if they're big issues, we still can take them off of ourselves and look out onto others and say, wow, what, what, what can I do to be part of someone else's healing and wholeness? And so we need to have a healthy view of suffering because if not, then we will waste the opportunities that are in front of us. We will waste all of this. All we'll be thinking of is during this pandemic, it's like, oh, when we get back to normal, when we get back to normal, when I can go back and do my things. I talked about this a few weeks ago. That is not the goal. Normal is not where we want to get back to. My wife just looked at me the other night. She said, Adam, I, I don't want things to go back to the way they were. I don't want things to go back to normal. Because she's been loving the time with the kids, with the family together. I'm working from home a lot more uh, than normal. We're getting time together. She's not frantically running from place to place to take her kids to go all these. I mean, she is finding a whole season of rest and recuperation. And I, I know that's not everybody's story and case, but it paints a picture. It's like, what are we hoping to get back to? God is doing something through this time and through the other times in your life where you would go, ah, this doesn't feel good. This is not how I want things to unfold. But God is, is doing it anyway, and he's trying to, to, to teach us and to help us through it. And honestly, we just have to look a little bit further, not to Paul's life, but we have to look to Jesus. Because what did he say on the cross? If you don't know the story of Jesus on the cross, I would ask you to go read it sometime this week. Matthew 27, 26, 27, 28. Read those chapters. If you don't know Christ, if you don't understand who he is, you might want to see what he experienced the last moments of his life, the last hours of his life. But he said this on the cross. He is nailed, hands, feet. He has suffered. He has been tortured. He is about to die. And he looks to the Father and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus felt forsaken. I don't know how long he felt that. Even Jesus felt forsaken. He went through the worst suffering, falsely accused, lied to, uh, ridiculed, beaten, tortured, murdered, forsaken. Why? Why? 
He was forsaken so that we would never be. Do you see that? That's our God. That's our Lord. He gave himself for us. He was forsaken so that we would never be forsaken, so that Paul could say, you are afflicted, you are persecuted, you are, you are confused, you are perplexed, you are struck down, but you are not forsaken. You will never be forsaken because Christ was. That is amazing. That's why Paul says in verse 10, he says, we're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. All the trials, all the sufferings that Paul experienced is, 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 why, is how he identifies with Jesus' suffering and Jesus' death. And so he carries that. He carries that in him, the death of, the, the deadness of Jesus, the, the sufferings. He identifies with Christ in that so that the life of Christ, the life of Jesus shines through. Man. So, my fellow jars of clay, this is meant to bring comfort. I want to comfort you. I want to help you feel comforted through this to find comfort in the struggles of life because one, they're not going to end here, right? Whenever coronavirus is gone, COVID's gone, there will be other things that come back into life where we have to deal with. And so we need to have a healthy view of trials, of suffering, because if we just buy into this notion that uh, only, it, it, only good things are supposed to come my way every single day, it's never supposed to be hard. It's never supposed to be challenging. I'm always supposed to have a remedy to the problem. If that's our view, we are never going to see Christ for who he really is. We are never going to value the gospel in us and we will never be useful in this life. So I want comfort to come to you. And that's going to be a theme throughout this month as we get into application practical. Like, I want comfort to come through these messages, through this passage. You hold the greatest treasure inside of you. And here's, here's the best news. Ready? Here's the best news. The value of that treasure is not dependent on the beauty of the vessel. The value of the treasure is not dependent on the beauty of the vessel. That, that's good news, man. My physical strength, my beauty, my sense of significance and worth is not the measure of how amazing that treasure is inside. He is in and of himself beautiful, glorious, amazing. The vessel, the jar of clay, the vessel is a display case for the treasure. And so here's what I want to do as we move to close. I want to give you some thoughts about comfort. I, I want to help frame this for us to, to have some categories to think about comfort. As you go through the struggles of life, God wants you to find comfort in the course, comfort in the confusion, and comfort in the call, right? Those are our three 
little pillars today, okay? Course, confusion, call. Comfort in the course, comfort in the confusion, comfort in the call. Real quick, I just want to want to put these before us. Okay, we, we, comfort in the course. What do I mean? I mean, uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. God has given us a course to run. He's laid out a course before us, and we are running this race with endurance, and that course is not easy. In fact, it's full of obstacles. It's going to reveal a whole lot about you, about what's going on inside of you. It's going to reveal weaknesses because we are jars of clay. We don't like to be weak. We don't want weakness I don't want to be a jar of clay. I want to be a jar of iron. (laughs) And it doesn't matter how much I work out, how much I go to the gym, how much I eat well and take my vitamins and take care of my body, I am still a jar of clay. I might be better to handle certain things in this life, but in the end, I'm a jar of clay, fragile. But here's the thing, weakness isn't bad. See, when I say comfort in the course, I mean comfort in the process that God is bringing you through. Comfort to say, okay, there is a race set before me and I am weak, I have expectations about that, I understand there are limitations. But weakness isn't bad. Actually, it, 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 it's, it's great because it allows the strength of God to be seen. That's what we are about. We want the strength of God to be seen. It allows his strength to work in our lives. Look, Paul was a tough guy. He was tough. He went through more than you and I will probably ever go through in our lives. I don't want ever to get it twisted like Paul was was some weakling. He did things very few of us would ever do. I mean, he got the snot kicked out of him in so many ways, but he kept going. He kept moving. He says later in 2 Corinthians, uh, he has this conversation with God. He's praying for God to, 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 to remove an ailment. And, and he says this, right, in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 12, my grace, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. And then he goes to say, for the sake of Christ, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And here's the big, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. Oh man, if we could get to a point where we could say that, where there is so much comfort in the course that we could say, yeah, yeah, I'm weak, there are limitations, but man, when I'm weak, God is strong, and so I am going to boast in my weaknesses. I am going to highlight my weaknesses because it allows God to shine through so much more. So comfort in the course, also comfort in the confusion. You might be saying, Adam, I don't understand what's going on in my life. Why is this happening? You're, you're confused. You're, you know, he uses the word actually perplexed in our passage, which we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks. We're going to zone in on that, hone in on that a little bit more. But look, it is disorienting when we are going through hard things. It's confusing. We have questions we don't understand. And I'm going to tell you this, that it is okay to have questions. It's find comfort in not having all the answers. Find comfort in knowing that there are questions that just will not be solved this side of heaven. And we have to be okay with not getting all the answers. 
You can question God. You can go to God and say, God, I don't understand why this is happening. The surpassing power belongs to God. And here's the deal. It is freeing to not have all the answers. It's freeing to not have all the answers. Why is this happening to me? I don't know, but I trust God. I I trust the surpassing power of God. He knows he is dealing with it. He is working. And that comfort should flood us at that point, knowing that he has the power, he sees the course, and he is working a plan. And this doesn't minimize the struggles that you're going through. What it does is it gives purpose to them. So find comfort in confusion. Finally, comfort in the call. This is great. What's the call? To go and give comfort. That's the call. See, we're not just here to to gain everything. That's absolutely not our vision, our mission in this life that God has given to us, he has given us his spirit, the surpassing power of God, the, this treasure in jars of place so that we would go and give that to others. And so when we're talking about comfort, we're not just here to gain comfort. We are here to give comfort. Paul says it, he almost sounds crazy here in 2 Corinthians 1. So I'm pulling a lot from other parts in 2 Corinthians because I want you to see, even though we're only preaching a portion of it, he talks about this stuff all the time. Look at what he says in chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Notice a word repeated over and over. Blessed be the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God, circle that word, circle it, underline it, highlight it, remember it. Paul's amazing words that we actually endure afflictions so that we can be a comfort to others. That is, it's incredible. The struggles that you're going through now, the ones you've been through, the ones that you will go through, going to be used to help others find comfort. Isn't that awesome? We're not just walking around trying to get our own sanity in place. We're not just trying to get as much as we can accumulate so that we can live fat and happy and and be at peace. No, 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 no. We, even in our our, our course of life that's troubling, even in our confusion, we still are called to not have it all together. We are called to go and bring comfort, bring life, bring that treasure to others. This helps us enlarge our view of life, our view of God, that in our affliction, our perplexion, our persecution, how we respond to all of that will speak so loudly to a world around us that is watching, and it will bring comfort. And we can do this because we are not forsaken. I hope you find comfort in this. My friends, my fellow jars of clay, you might be cracking, you might be bending, you might be breaking, you might feel like it is done. 
But God is saying, I'm not done. I'm with you. I'm strengthening you. And I'm calling you to something special through this. So let's be a community that, that sees this, that, that sees the comfort in the discomfort, <laughs> that finds comfort in the discomfort, and we are active in going out to bring that comfort, to bring the life of Christ everywhere that we go. And if you have not put your faith in Christ, in Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, I want, I want to make sure that you understand you don't need me to do that, but I want you to know that the invitation is there to follow Christ. And all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I trust you for the forgiveness of my sins. I put my faith in you. I believe in you that you lived and died and rose from the dead. And I don't have all the answers. I don't understand it all, but I am committing to taking that step to trusting you. God will meet you. And he's, he is faithful in that moment to forgive you and to welcome you in. And if you've prayed that for the first time, please let us know so that we can, can rejoice with you. We can pray for you. Uh, if you want us to contact you and help you on that journey, we would love to do that. And so there are links around uh, the channel here where you can click on to let us know some of that. Church, I love you. I miss you so much. Miss being together. Miss the opportunities that we have to uh, talk and to hug and to do the fun things together. But I know that we will be back together soon. And in the meantime, find comfort in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, you are good. Your mercy strengthens us. Your love strengthens us. Help us now to go in the comfort that you provide so that we might be comforted and we might comfort others. Be with us this week, Lord, as we trust you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen.